Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Conspiranormal. Welcome to Conspiranormal, everybody. Adam. Hello. He's busy writing things down, uh, but we're uh, we're really happy because uh, we're going to do like a really cool, um, interesting interview uh, with Erica Lukes tonight. And to kind of introduce Erica, Erica is the host of a show called UFO Unclassified, and uh, she is also the former state director of the uh, Utah MUFON. Mm-hmm. Uh, former, we might talk about that while you're the former director too. Uh, but uh, we're going to primarily talk um, about Skinwalker Ranch. But um, Erica, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. It's been a Thanks. long time coming. I know. I'm excited to be here. This is finally like the the seas have parted, and you know, I mean, it's the seventh sign of the apocalypse. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great to have you. I mean, I've I've kind of. Uh, followed you for for a long time mostly just um i know you you and nick redfern are good friends and mm-hmm. yeah. we've we've had nick on the show several several times which you know we'd love to have him back so if you can uh, make that happen for us put in a good word for us but um i listened to the shows that you did well 20 in 2020 and in 2021 with uh steven snyder a good friend of ours um the farm the podcast show several time yeah on the farm love him and uh, I know he's been out there to uh, Salt Lake City to visit as well. But you did a couple of really revealing interviews that kind of go around the the uh, the Skinwalker Ranch subject. And that's primarily what we're going to talk about. Um, but I, I, I really want to get your background and how you really got into the study of UFOs and I guess strange phenomenon and all that and what brought you to it. I, I ask that myself that question every day. <laughs> same, same here. <laughs> 
why, why? I go in and look at all my books and think, why, God, did you do this to me? No, I'm kidding. I am, you know, I ever since I was a little kid, I mean, I remember being like, what, in second, third grade, and I was in my high school, or my high school, dear Lord. Um, I was obviously very advanced for a second grader. Um, but I was, you know, in the school library, and I was, I picked up a book, and it was Dale White is something up there. And it had the, you know, one of the UFO pictures on the cover, and I was just hooked. Like, what, what is this? This is really strange. And so I went and picked up all these books on Sasquatch and all these things, which I find now, I'm sure if you went into an elementary school, you, you might not be able to find those. <laughs> that was kind of an interesting choice. But, you know, I, I just fell in love with the topic of ghosts, of uh, UFOs, of, of, you know, all of the unexplainable things in life. And as a small child, I had experiences that I, I thought were, you know, interesting. And then I, um, in high school, I was reading everything I could on the subject again. And then I lived in what I would call and other people, many other people that have been to this place, a haunted house. There were some very strange things taking place there for a long time. And, and so it's, and then in 2013, I believe I had a sighting that to me at the time was unexplained and that got me going. I was with an, a, another person and I wanted to know what this was, whether it was mundane, whether it was something paranormal. Um, and so I began doing research on all of the, because I was looking at the, the Salt Lake Valley and you've got the flight corridor for the international airport. And so I started studying, you know, flight patterns. I started learning about restricted airspace in Utah. And we have quite a bit of that with Dugway Proving Ground and the NSA and Hill Air Force Base and things. And so I started studying that. I became the state director for Utah MUFON. And then I began just coming out, you know, in public, really uh, full force. Um, I, it's been an interesting opportunity. I resigned from MUFON a few years ago, along with my assistant state director. And I haven't looked back, even though I met a lot of wonderful people, but I'm really glad I can do my own research. And now I am uh, an historian and I have one of the, the best archives in the country. So it's it's been, and it's been a trip. And then there's the Skinwalker stuff you throw in there. Yeah. Which some, somebody clearly needs to pay for my therapy over that one. But <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, I want to ask you, though, too, about just like um, what um, was your relationship with MUFON? I mean, what happened that made you kind of want to leave? You know, I was one of the few women um, in, in MUFON and a lot of older white men. I mean, great. That's awesome. I think that's the that's 99.9% .9 of the field of ufology. And I um, started, you know, I wanted to, to make a difference. And I felt that I could help with the communications department, get rid of that stuffy old man image, you know, which is nothing. I, some of my best friends are old white men, <laughs> but right. it, it's, you know, I thought that we could engage a younger audience. And so I worked under Jan Harzan, Mm -hmm. um, doing the newsletters and different things for MUFON headquarters. And I began to meet some resistance from people that were in there in the organization for a long time and were, I think, jealous and petty and sexist and uh, capable of doing some pretty nasty things. And so I started to get started, you know, getting a little blowback and ended up uh, resigning. There was a a moment where I was speaking with somebody who was in charge of MUFON radio that made some very, very, very uh, 
horrific comments to me that uh, very sexist and really nasty. And so I turned to the, the Jan Harzan to ask if he would step in and be the professional that's leading a nonprofit organization. And clearly that wasn't the way the organization was run. So I decided to resign. And I also had questions about the transparency of the organization. Um, I believe that there might be something interesting going on with some of the, the taxes, uh, different situations with different chapters. And I also had concerns, as did the woman that was head of Utah Move On before me, Elaine Douglas, about where data was going. So you're entering in, you know, all your personal data, your, you know, I mean, things that I would say you you mm -hmm. would hope that MUFON would be sensitive with, but then you find out that they're buying and selling data to the highest bigger, bidder, namely Robert Bigelow. Right. And to me, that was alarming. What is he doing with my data? And so I started asking questions about that. And I think the blowback intensified and, so eventually I just said, oh, have fun, guys. Peace out. It's interesting, Erica, because like the two people that I've known that are MUFON directors um, have been women. Um, Angelia Shear, who sadly left us a couple of, in the beginning of last year, uh, she was actually the director for Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I also know um, Jennifer Stein, who is the director in, I don't think she's a state director, but she has her own kind of like move on, uh, I guess, subgroup in Philadelphia. So both of them have, I mean, both of them are women and um, I, but I can see how it would have been a kind of toxic atmosphere, especially with, um, I can't remember his name now, but the one that made all the racist comments on yeah, John Facebook. Ventry. Yeah, well, Ventry, and I, you know, yeah. and I have to say, I have to wonder, it's like when the women in MUFON knew that this was taking place with me, especially some of the old guard, um, you know, I specifically reached out to several of them and asked them for help and none of them did a thing. And so, really? uh, you know, way to go. Let's stick up for women. Yay. Yeah. So I, I yeah. found that very, very unimpressive and not specifically Angela, because I never had any contact with her. And I've heard that she was really, really cool. Amazing. She was really great. Yeah. So, yeah, she was a great person. Um, absolutely. And, and then last year, was it? No, it was 2020. So everything's like mixed up in my mind from the last two years. But Jan Harzan, then he got, you know, caught with, what was he talking to underage girls or something? It was like, mm -hmm. I remember when that happened, we were actually did a show right the day that happened or the day that it broke. And so that was a big stink. And I haven't heard really anything else about that um, since that happened. No, that was pretty, pretty hushed up, I think. And, and, you know, when you look at uh, Jan uh, and his, his career, I mean, he was one of, he, he was pretty high up in IBM and had pretty high rolling contracts. And so, I would imagine, yeah, there, there would be a need to keep things a little bit quiet about that. Um, and I also, yeah, just I find that interesting. And then the takeover with Dave McDonald, or, you know, I mean, he's stepping back in as the executive director and he owns a sex mile high club. Woohoo. Really? Seems like a, <laughs> oh, a Nevada yeah. or? Um, I think he is in Nevada now. Yeah. But. 
So flamingo air. Yeah. So that was, that's an interesting choice to, to have someone step in. It seems like a real boys club kind yeah. of thing. Good old boys really is what you can really call it. And hopefully at, I think there is some hope that a lot of that's changing in the subculture in general, but do you think just the marginality and the, the, at least the pretense of like dealing and secrets and things like this kind of leads to this, uh, isolation that kind of festers and, and, uh, breeds abuse and things like that. You know, I think that the, yeah, I mean, I absolutely, I think when there's not a lot of transparency and, and, you know, when there aren't people in the subject that have ethics and, you know, integrity, then you're going to see the kind of abusive behavior. And, you know, to be, to be honest, I mean, the same people that have been involved in this and have turned a blind eye to the, to some of the malfeasance in the subject for, for decades are still running the show. So in my opinion, nothing's changing. I mean, we can have a fresh new face, Colonel Sanders and company that's out there promoting stuff and, you know, go, go Patriots. Yeah, baby. You know? And all that stuff, and it's like, okay, nothing's changing. It's, it's, I, so, I mean, it's sad. I want things to change. And I see some really neat women coming into the subject, and I see them getting tangled up with the same people mm-hmm. that I've had experiences with. And I think mm-hmm. I can, I'll be here for support when they finally figure out things are rotten in Denmark, and that's all I can do. I mean, things have their place in history, but do you think MUFON has really just kind of uh, outlived its its usefulness? You know what? I think that it will always be like a, you know, a fun thing for certain people, a way for some chapters to make money. I think it'll be a way for them to collect data. Um, I don't know if that's going anywhere. And I will just, I just want to say that I have, you know, I'm friends with... Um, somebody on the board of directors who's been on my show. And there are people that I do really, really like in the organization. I wonder, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but I think that MUFON at the end of the day, yeah, has outgrown its potential. I think now with social media and so many different, you know, Facebook groups and Twitter, you know, things that are going up, it's like people aren't reporting to places like MUFON any Mm -hmm. longer. They're, you know, putting their things on Facebook, which at the end of the day, that could be worse than putting it in the MUFON database. So, yeah. And the thing about MUFON is that from what I've kind of just my kind of cursory, just like experience with it, I've gone to a couple of meetings and it's like, it, it seems like a very loose group. So like the person that, you know, heads each state or each section or whatever can kind of decide what they want to do. And that's kind of how I felt like Angelia and um, Jennifer did theirs, you know, but um, the problem I think with MUFON is that it became like the only game in in town, especially like, I mean, we talked with uh, Jack Brewer last year, the end of last year about NICAP and all that. I mean, there was NICAP and there was another one and there was MUFON and then the other two just went away and MUFON just became the only one that, that had, that kind of just held all the cards for a good long time. Right. Yeah. And and, I mean, it's, it's like I said, I've got friends. In fact, I spoke for Minnesota MUFON a few months ago and I love, I love them. There's some really neat people in that chapter. And, and I think it is a, a, it's a great way to meet like-minded people. But with that said, there are chapters that have state directors and, and leadership that are promoting ideas that are, 
Um, very questionable in my opinion. I mean, you've got a lot of this kind of, you know, we're throwing religion into the mix. We're throwing mm -hmm. white supremacy into the mix. We're, we're throwing all of these ideas that at the end of the day really is not helping with a scientific study of the phenomenon. And I think if you're going to go, you know, I mean, kind of under that, that's your slogan for the benefit of mankind. Maybe mm -hmm. they should think about changing that to humankind. I'm just saying, but it's like, you just, you know, it, it's you, and this is a science-based organization. Hmm. Yeah, there might be well, some issues with that. Well, well, like an individual, like an individual group is probably fine, but like on a national level, their leadership just sucks. And the big thing became in like 2017, and I remember this like really well, was when they embraced like Corey Good and Jay Z Knight. And I mean, I can remember being in Roswell. I was in Roswell in 2017, and we were all sitting around. It was like Peter Robbins was talking to this guy and he was like a director of some MUFON group. And he actually got, was so discouraged after he talked about MUFON that he threw his ring or whatever, or his membership card into the trash, <laughs> like literally at, in the restaurant. Dramatic moment. So, <laughs> done with you. Off yeah. the ring. <laughs> so it, it was, I mean, it, it was like 2017 was like a big moment for them because, you know, I mean, just, embracing just i mean just really what is this total just lunacy like Corey good and jay-z knight and, and jay-z knight i mean steven can tell you yeah steven can tell you there's like a lot of weird connections with that stuff too oh i'd be interested to you know learn more about that i find i mean it is incredibly disturbing but yeah. but and she was a big donor for a long time and i think when right. that came out that was hushed up so right but yeah, there's some pretty right wing yeah. just stuff that goes on with the whole romp. The well, and there's always been that current in in ufology going back. You know, any paranormal thing. Yeah, any paranormal yeah. thing. There's always right wing. But this yeah. time, right now, in particular, you know, everyone seems to be coming out of the woodwork and networking around this paranormal stuff. Ufology is like seems to be really really blown up. It's it's really it is an interesting time, and I think now more than ever, it, it's kind of ufology like the rest of the country or the world is they're showing their hand. And what you know, what is that? Well, it's a movement full of white supremacists. It goes back you know decade after decade, and people with political agendas and and religious uh, you know agendas. And I think there's really at the at the end of the day, what are you left with when you get through some of this stuff? It's used the UFO field is used for for people's you know ulterior motives. And I think that, you know, Robert Bigelow is top on the list of using the subject for his own personal gain and, and to sway people into perhaps a way of thinking that isn't my way of thinking. But Well, let's get into that. Um, let's get into the Skinwalker Ranch. So how did you become involved in the Skinwalker Ranch, I guess, saga? Oh, God. You know, I mean, I well, first of all, I'm lucky enough to live in Utah. Um, right, right. and so, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I'm, you know, an hour and a half away from this, you know, magical place where shape-shifting werewolves stand on ridge tops and, you know, do backflips and they're little rhino frogs and dinosaur beavers floating around and different things. And I mean, I, I was, I, I haven't heard about this, uh, the rhino frogs and dinosaur say beavers. Dinosaur I've beavers? heard of the dire yeah, yeah. Dino beaver. It's, oh my God. I mean, where to go? 
with the yeah. dino beaver. Where do you? We're, we're using that headline for the, to advertise the show. No, no. Sure. <laughs> but it's it's um yeah that's in the new book uh, Pentagon or Skinwalkers at the Pentagon and so another uh, Kelleher Knapp and you know Co their new shtick. With, with really excellent graphic design. I just want to say that for the cover. I know, I know. I, you know, I mean, I, and I feel bad. I feel bad. I'm sure somebody did work hard on that. Um, but it's, if you're trying to have a realistic book with people that are scientifically studying the phenomenon and are engaged in high level politics and things, well, it might not be the cover I'd pick. But anyway, so I got involved in it, you know, I mean, gosh, what, 15 20 years ago, like a lot of other people, and I began reading about it. And then I began kind of going to different meetings around here and meeting different people that were giving me information. I think I made my first trip out there maybe 10, 12 years ago. And then I started, you know, actively finding people in, in the area that I could interview over a period of time. And so I found different families that I would conduct initial interviews with and then go back, you know, in a year and and keep track of how things were progressing and what was taking place in the area. And I also was fortunate enough to interview Junior Hicks uh, and speak with him over the years and also Dr. Frank Salisbury, who wrote the Utah UFO display, which really was kind of the foundation, that book, um, Taking Junior's Works, that was the foundation for some of the the mythology that, you know, Bigelow and, and crew turned into Skinwalker Ranch and their little empire. And so that was interesting. Dr. Frank Salisbury was uh, a professor here and he was very uh, highly regarded. His holdings are at the University of Utah Special Archives. And so I spent many days up there going through that and looking at the his, his life's work and, and, and his correspondence with regard to UFOs and some of the things that he was involved with, um, with NASA. He was also involved with NASA. And so it was just, it, it's been fascinating. Towards the end of his life, I had the pleasure of, of talking with him again. And he was, he told me when I asked him about Skinwalker Ranch, he said it was mostly garbage. Um, and that a lot of things had been taken and used and they weren't factual. It wasn't factual. And I think to him being a scientist that that was not in, he didn't have a lot of regard for that. And I also, you know, spoke with junior, um, towards the end of his, I mean, I think maybe a few months before he passed away and he also, even though he was more of a believer and had taken on some of the things that were fed to him through the Bigelow crowd. He also didn't have, in my opinion, a lot of respect for Bigelow and, and things. And I, I think that he knew that there was something going on that wasn't on the up and up. And specifically, you know, you hear the story about in, in the Skinwalker book about the wires being cut and how that was a paranormal occurrence. Well, Junior said, I've got it on, on record that that absolutely wasn't that the lines had been cut by another human. So, (laughs) you know, you start, I start going through all this and then putting the pieces together and then pulling up different things on individuals involved. And it's like, something just doesn't seem right here and it's not right there. 
And so I think it's used as, as entertainment. It's used to drive tourism to the area now, as we've seen with funding that has been allocated to construct uh, new uh, recreation centers and places where they can hold UFO conferences and things. And so they're, they are putting money back into the economy in the area and people involved in the new Skinwalker Ranch are involved with economic development for the governor of Utah. So makes sense. Can we talk a little bit about um, the history of the Skinwalker Ranch and like how it's changed hands and Robert Bigelow's influence and what was going on there? Yeah. So the, the uh, Garth Myers was the last owner to own that uh, and, and have charge of the property before the Shermans bought it and had that and then signed an NDA. Um, I had heard um, the rumor was, and there are several different rumors that they were maybe upside down on the loan for the property. And then Bigelow came in and offered them a deal and made them sign NDAs. Uh, and so you have then Linda Moulton Howe and, and crew stepping in to create a, a narrative potentially. And, and maybe the Shermans did actually, maybe, the, I mean, I, I'm sure that they felt that they'd experienced um, things, but how much was that manipulated at the end of the day and for what gain for this handful of people, you know, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Kelleher, uh, you know, all of these people to make money. Uh, what were what were the real estate interests? What were what was going on in the community? You know, I would love to figure out what Bigelow did in the community. Um, I had heard Junior told me that he was on the board for Zion's Bank in the area. And I need mm -hmm. to confirm that, which is interesting. So you've got a lot of other business dealings going on above Skinwalker Ranch. And so that was very interesting, you know, over over the years, uh, I, I think. But interestingly enough, there's been a lot of um, statements made by the new ownership of the ranch and some low-hanging fruit uh, about the, the Myers family saying that because the Myers have gone on record, Garth specifically saying that there was absolutely no paranormal uh, goings-ons at the ranch. Mm -hmm. And so people are now accusing a, a, a dead man of lying, which I think is a pretty low blow. Um, I actually, interestingly enough, Garth Myers was my bishop. And I will say he was one of the most honest uh, kind, highly regarded people in our community. Um, he was a great uh, person in my adolescence. Uh, I really had and have a lot of respect for their family. And so for me to see another uh, businessman in Utah saying these awful things about somebody who's passed away is an and Garth Myers was a, a very, he was a bishop. He was a, you know, a proud member of the Mormon community. I think it's you know, I don't think that's very respectful. So that's my that's my spiel. <laughs> At what point did the name Skinwalker Ranch get coined? And do you know by whom? You know, I it was I'm sure it was Knapp and Kelleher, you know, who had the big breakout book and things. I know that Zach uh, Van Eck for the Deseret News wrote the initial couple articles highlighting the strange paranormal activity at Skinwalker Ranch and that put the, the Shermans in the news and it put the ranch uh -huh. on the news. And then from there, Bigelow came in and, 
and, and bought the property. And then the skinwalker myth was, was born. And I have to say, you know, it's there, you know, this is Ute land and yeah. it, it's not Navajo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, yeah. So they're there. I think a lot of people uh, in that area are just like, what, where did that come about? And how did that even happen? And you've got skinwalker Ridge and okay. So I think yeah. there are a lot of holes in the story when you start looking at it. And just the, I mean, I don't know how much pull it could have without that. I think the name is just enigmatic and it, the name does more than anything. I think, you know, people hear that they're so fascinated by these, uh, you know, a real, uh, loose understanding that they usually have of actual skinwalker legends from the Diné people. And I mean, they just struck gold with the name. I feel like without that name, I don't know how, you know, it's like, it's excellent branding. That's all I can say. It it is. And it's like, it's in, to me, it's like the more I, you know, I mean, I had a, um, several meetings with a fellow who was one of the the country's foremost world's foremost historians of of the native American, you know, culture. And I, I mean, it was just like the skinwalker thing. I mean, first of all, you know, the Navajo, you don't talk about skinwalkers. They don't like to talk about it. Yeah, it's pretty taboo. Yeah, and so here we are disrespectfully naming a ranch after something that's a taboo subject. I mean, how many ways can we disrespect people? The wrong tribe and then something that's like pretty taboo on top of that. Right, so interesting stuff, but nobody asks these questions. Um, well, you, you touched on your, you have background in the LDS church. Mm-hmm. What role does the LDS play in all this? I mean, I have some family background in it. Um, they were mostly our LDS now known as uh, community of Christ. But, um, do you think that like that the LDS church kind of predisposes people to more of like, a, I guess a mystical worldview or openness to subjects like this? You know, no, I don't. No? <laughs> I mean, which is interesting because I mean, I went to, you know, I mean, I went to church up until a point, and then for me, it just wasn't the right fit uh, for my uh, my beliefs and and thoughts on on the world. But I um, I don't think it was necessarily a mystical thing. I don't think they talked about like the paranormal and things. I mean, other than Joseph Smith you know, and his scrying stone. I mean, not that they really mentioned that, but anyway, you know, different things like that. So, but I think what it is, is maybe a, a place where now you can in, insert these ideas and perhaps have a political agenda. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's more the focus of things and make business deals and things. So, but. Okay. Okay. Just more practical kind of like a cohesion that allows you to do more. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, you know, I don't think you go into, well, I mean, I never went into church and, and heard about UFOs or, or things like that. In fact, I think it was kind of taboo to talk about the paranormal and things, you know, so, but, but it is interesting though, that the Mormon businessmen do love the paranormal topic. Yeah. And, and I want to, definitely gets what's going on there now but robert bigelow gets in there and i believe that's about 19 1996 is when he bought it was from the shermans and is that the real name because i know that there was like the i can't remember the gormans they were called the, the Gor- Gormans. 
Yeah, yeah. The Gorman's in the, in the book. book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. yeah, Gwen and Terry Sherman. Yeah. And so Bigelow gets in there and uh, brings in NIDS, I guess the National Institute of Discovery Sciences, and they do a lot of stuff there. And I have no doubt that NIDS was there, but the, the question is what exactly was NIDS really doing and what exactly was probably going on on the ranch? And, and what are your what are your thoughts on what could have really been been happening there? Not much. <laughs> um, I think that from uh, what I have learned and the people I've interviewed that worked on the ranch and and different things, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't good equipment. They certainly weren't out there conducting any sort of serious study. They were, you know, I mean, sending a guy out with a Ouija board and and um, you know, don't get me started on that. I mean, which is great. I mean, got to play play with the Ouija board at Skinwalker Ranch. But I mean, it's like you go out and you're not serious about studying this. And then you use the excuse, oh, the cameras got cut. Well, that seems like a that's perfect. It's perfect. Then you don't have any accountability. Not for lack of budget too. all this, right? Right, right. So, you know, what what happened with that? I, I don't. You know, again, it's like here you've got this this mystical, magical place where are the all these portals are opening up, and then you've got you know you go there, and it's like it is not secure. You know, you've got people that are getting hit with radiation, and well, you would think there'd be somebody there, maybe checking any of these things out. Um, lots of yeah, I mean, lots of questions that you have. Where where is the equipment? What what are they doing? Why aren't they transparent with the public as they claimed they were going to be uh, with the new ownership and and things and that they would have live, you know, streaming videos of the ranch. And, you know, that really hasn't come to pass, but I guess we get the, that information on the TV show. So I guess that works for some people. So I know um, listening to your your interviews on the farm, I feel like Stephen like hardly left any questions for us, but he he mentioned that um, it was like a big haunted house, and I was thinking more of like is it's a big séance parlor. I you know I think so. I mean, but I you know again when when Bigelow was there, especially during the Bass days, I mean there were just there was one or two security guards there. They weren't doing anything, you know the the camera equipment. In fact, I think somewhere over here I have one of the cameras. Oh, here it is. Hang on, it's back there. So that's a like $15 camera that was at Skinwalker Ranch with that private property sign that somebody shot gun holes uh, in. But <laughs> so that security camera weighs about, uh, you know, a pound and there's no meat to the, that. That was just a fake security camera that was installed at the ranch. So it was just there just as like, just to make you think that there were security cameras. right. right. And, you know, even when I interviewed uh, Dr. Eric Davis, when we were still speaking, <laughs> um, he, you know, I mean, he, he said that Bigelow was very cheap and didn't, didn't give them any equipment to go out and actually measure anything or do anything um, productive. So I think that's pretty telling, but that's just me. That's $22 million of your taxpayer money. Yeah. Study the paranormal. Right, because he got money from the government. I guess uh, Harry Reid helped him get money to uh, that went in, and part of that went into investigating Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. There's so, something about it too that's just so like it's so classic and old school, like using 
newspaper articles and things like that. I mean, that's like it it worked, but that's cheap. I mean, it's just it's crazy how this mythology was created in just such a classic way. Oh, it, very classic. And I mean, it it is interesting because like I said, you know, I mean, I went, you know, I I I was I looked at Dr. Salisbury's research. You know, I've I've talked to many, many people over the years and, and three generations of families that have had experiences. I don't know what they've experienced. I don't know if some people are just getting caught up in the hype, you know, and, and maybe they did that back in, you know, the 60s and, and 70s and things, but it was, it, it's, it's interesting there. I think there definitely could be something there, but I don't think that something is being actively or was ever actively studied at the ranch. And I think that um, perhaps I've used some of that, you know, because you, I think people like you had mentioned that, you know, before we even got on the show, that people are seeing things all over the world. And so it's not necessarily location specific. And so I don't know. I think there is something unusual going on and there's lots of fabulous lore and cool things that, that have happened in that region. And it's a fascinating area, but it's not, I think, the you went to basin is fascinating. I don't necessarily think Skinwalker Ranches anymore, but it, in and of itself, yeah. And, and I mean, we, we we talked about like I mean, uh, if you look at the Wikipedia page, they actually list out the ownership from 1934 on, and Bigelow did own it for 20 years. So I guess there was there was there the initial. You know, let's go in and investigate whatever or half-ass investigate or whatever they were doing. And then I guess it just kind of sat there for the rest of the time. I mean, it did, but then you have, you know, the Bass, the Bass days with the, the money that was allocated, the $22 million, you know, 2010. Uh, at seven, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember when that contract started because I'm a little brain dead this evening. But, you know, you have that kind of period. But I think that, you know, they he always had people there caretakers of the ranch and and a security guard or two doing hiding in the bushes in their ghillie suits putting makeup on and popping out at people and thinking they were rambo um clearly boys like to play dress up oh my oh my lord well i some someday there's some good footage of that clearly scientific well this is the thing that we've been talking amongst ourselves is that we've been wondering whether or not they were testing things out there maybe like weapons testing and because i know bigelow is i mean i really think that bigelow i think his big thing is he is one of these guys like elon musk right i mean he's like elon musk before elon musk in his mind in his mind yeah but you know he is kind of part of the military industrial complex and I really think a lot of this push for UFOs, the UAP, and all this stuff that's going on right now, I've really felt that like it's a way to kind of just justify weaponization of space. And I think Bigelow, I think he's a part of that. And do you think were, could they have been testing things out there? Was there like a, I, I don't know, almost like a mind control kind of thing going on out there, or like was there was some sort of that, something going on? My God, um, yeah. certainly scrambled one brain I know of, but I think yeah, and we're going to talk about that for sure. But I mean, I, I definitely think because you look at Utah and you look at the fact that we have 
you know, one of the largest concentrations of aerospace and defense contractors in the country. And that is, you know, that is growing uh, exponentially thanks to, you know, the uh, new steward of the ranch, Brendan Fugel, who's a mogul in the real estate industry. He's just done, he's done a lot for economic, the economic development of Utah. And there's no doubt about that. Um, And so you have people that could, could potentially be testing things in that, that area for sure. I mean, I, I absolutely think that would be a possibility. I mean, what a perfect testing ground. And that's what the, uh, the allocation for that money to Bigelow Aerospace was, right? For to study the effects of UAP, isn't that it? The well, I don't think there was. Well, that's what they say. UAP, give me a break. But they did. You know, one of the the, the things that they were testing was RF and do weapons. You know, that was mm-hmm. in the solicitation sheet and and effects on on human tissue and things. So I don't right. know. They can, yeah, they could dress it up however they want, but they certainly. So it seems like a good blanket for weapons testing because the you can use the you know paranormal effects and things like that as cover for things you're actually like doing to people with devices possibly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that you know we've seen with the Havana syndrome and yeah. different things that have been leaked out that some of the the weapons that we have and have had in our arsenal for a long time, you know, are there um, producing the same effects that you would get, or you would think you would get if you were going into a haunted house or having a UFO experience where you get, you know, the tingling and the dis- you're disoriented and you get nauseous and things like that, or you could, perhaps it could induce feelings of euphoria. Um, I think that, you know, it, it is, it, it is interesting. And I think that we're, we know so little about what we have available in our arsenal, which I guess for, I mean, that's important to keep up with the other countries and things, but mm-hmm. you know, to, to what, how deep did it go in when they were using UFOs or parapsychology as a cover? Right. And that's what we kind of wonder because I mean, like infrasound in and of itself will make you feel weird. Right. I mean, and that's something that's not unusual to do or, or weird really to do. And, you know, I, I likened it to, I mean, I don't, you're familiar with the Ken Thomas uh, book, the octopus that, um, well, I mean, there were things that were going on weapons testing and stuff that were going on in the Cabazon Indian reservation in California that, you know, they could get away with because they were on a the basically tribal land. And I feel like, you know, Bigelow just owning this massive amount of property. I mean, much, I mean, you got to think about the scale. Well, we are, I mean, you know, we're more populated than out there, but out there it's like, you know, there's a lot more acreage involved. So you could probably get away with a lot more of that stuff out there than you could here. Right. Absolutely. So, and I mean, it was interesting too, because a lot of people that lived around the ranch were on Bigelow's payroll. So, you know, I mean, and, and some of them died from, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Charles Wynn's granddaughter and who's, I just really think the world of, but I mean, she talked about after that her, her grandfather really hadn't seen anything. He lived on the neighboring property before Bigelow, the Bigelow days. And then he was out one night 
uh, working on the irrigation ditch and a bright ball of light came over him. And he was so worried about him. He thought he thought he was going to get burned. And so he kind of dove into the irrigation ditch and then developed, you know, cancer later. And whether that was, whether there was really a cause and effect there, um, that was certainly something that concerned her. But um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, with that said, I think there's also a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of uh, uh, stuff going on, drilling a lot of things in the, in the environment that could potentially mm-hmm. cause some health issues, definitely. And I don't know if you heard there, you know, a few years back, there was a Rolling Stone article about um, a, a series of stillbirths that were born in Journal Utah and how they were looking into it and how one nurse was, you know, delivering or midwife was delivering these children. And she, I think, got a lot of blowback for, for questioning what was happening, you know, in the environment and to these, 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 these children, which is really sad. So I think there's a lot going on in that area. But enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I'm I'm curious though too about like the purpose of the propagation of the myth that has become Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll read this here in just a second about like kind of like the the, the charter and all that stuff and why um, it's being propagated now. But when when Kelleher and Dap wrote their book, and I, you know, I think that came out about 2005 what the purpose of kind of propagating that was, was it for entertainment purposes or is it more uh, a smokescreen? I think it's probably both. Um, You know, it's, it is really funny that this was supposed to be a top secret place. Nobody was supposed to know about it. And yet here we are writing a book about it. I mean, come on. It's like, there's so many questions when you step back and, and, you know, put your, you know, big girl pants on and look at things rationally. It's like, okay, I cannot believe, like I, I step back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I actually fell for this. I mean, it was, it was a fun thing. And I wish, I wish that I still believed in it because it would be a lot, a lot easier road than I've traveled on. You know, these are pretty serious people. And I definitely think, 
you know, there's, there's probably been some, some blowback from me talking out about it, but you know, I think it's, it's made money in the entertainment. Um, it's, it's helped also, you know, with Bigelow buying the MUFON database. I mean, how do you, I mean, was there a potential that he's taking somebody's psychological profile and figuring out weaknesses or places to perhaps manipulate people? And could that be potentially something that would be used with a Cambridge Analytica type of, of thing that could eventually turn into something like the QAnon cult? You know, I think that that's, you know, we know that mining data can be used to, to do a lot of things. And so could that have been something that you could use and, and manipulate people? I think there are a lot of big implications. I know it's not the MUFON methods, but would was there information in that from uh, hypnotic inductions and regressions? You know what? They, he did initially buy John Carpenter, who was an abduction researcher and, and and, you know, it did all sorts of things in that yeah. vein and things. And so he bought Carpenter's work and then he ended up buying the database and things. So we talk about, like you're saying, it's like psychologically compromising stuff. Like, right. And then, you know, you, you could do religious studies. I know that there was a religious study done. I have, have that uh, in my archive uh, by John Alexander's wife to see, to poll people, to see what, you know, if there was a, a UFO or an alien encounter, how would people in, in religious positions, uh, how would they deal with, with that? You know, so I think there's a lot of, a lot more stuff going on behind the Mm -hmm. scenes as far as maybe manipulating, uh, our country (laughs) for, for, for game political gain. I don't know. Makes sense to me, but and I know people will go, that is such a conspiracy theory. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been going on. I mean, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica. I mean, that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what keeps happening through the use of social media. Yeah. And even without some like overarching conspiracy, this stuff is profitable to people. And, you know, right. no one's going to doubt that, that you know, uh, companies and entities are going to do things that are unethical for profit. Right. I mean, it's, it's and, and it, I think the paranormal stuff is, it's fascinating. It's like, you've got people who are, you know, putting in their, you know, I think I saw something and I'm having this experience and, and how do we manipulate vulnerabilities? How do we, you know, push people down a a rabbit hole so we can observe their behavior. And, you know, I have to wonder if some of the, the groups involved in ufology over the decades haven't been doing that and studying abduction abduction phenomena for for a reason you know and how does that link potentially with mk ultra you know you've got the connections with uh dr hal Putoff and the early days of of uh well i mean the sri and funding and then you also have the connection to sydney gottlieb who you know was involved with mk ultra and things and so what was what was the motivation there i want to read real quick um this is the trademark details for Skinwalker Ranch. And I mean, since Brandon Fugel has taken it over, I mean, first of all, we didn't even know who he was. I mean, in the um, Skinwalker Ranch documentary that um, 
<laughs> Jeremy Corbell. You know, I, I bathed in holy water frequently to try to forget that name, but you know. <laughs> that they took Robbie Williams out there and all, all oh, that stuff. Well, yes, because there's nothing better than, you know, men sitting around drinking beer and smoking and getting the crotch shot, you know, here and there. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I, I'm telling you that 10 minutes, I cannot get that back and I cannot get that image out of my mind. It was in that talk documentary. They put him in like they, they put him in shadow and all that. And they didn't want people to know who he was. And um, now he has, I mean, I guess since 2019, I think he's come out and said, Oh yeah, it's me. And I own it. And, and all this type of thing. And um, he has, um, there's the TV show that I think it, I guess it's in its second season now. I don't know. I think it'll be go. The third season will start pretty quick. How, how could they find third? I mean, how can you get material? I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's a seance parlor, but I watch it. I watch it. Like, I mean, granted, if you could have a camera sitting here watching me watching Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, is it, I mean, oh God. Is it called hate watching? Is that what they call no, it? You know what? I don't know what it's called. It's just called, mm. I don't know. It's cathartic for me. I can yell at the TV screen and, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it, it's, in, it, it is entertaining in a strange way and things. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I think I will say, I think Brandon's a very nice, gracious man. He's always been that way to me. And I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that, you know, but as I have, you know, I mean, I, I question, I question things. I think I had him on my radio show, um, my podcast. Oh my gosh, maybe a year and a half ago. And, you know, that's probably the last time I'll have him on. I don't think he'll come back, but, you know, cause I, I have questioned things, but he's always very gracious. And, you know, I think that he has, he's a, he's a, an incredible businessman. He's very shrewd. He is, he's not where he is because he hasn't worked really, really hard. And he does have a, a reputation in the community for being, you know, very, a very hard worker and, and doing some great business deals to bring, to stimulate economic growth in Utah. So. And I think that's part of what he's doing with this, because uh, when you, when you read this, this is the this is the trademark details, and just to kind of go over this briefly, um, I think it's interesting that the attorney who I guess filed this is named Brick Power. And I don't that just does not seem like a real name to me, but uh, goods and services uh, providing recreation facilities, entertainment services, namely creation, development, production, and distribution of multimedia content, internet content, motion pictures, and television shows, classification information, international class, education, providing of training, entertainment, sporting, and cultural activities, education, providing of training, entertainment, sporting, and cultural activities. So, I mean, in the kind of charter for the trademark of the name Skinwalker Ranch and the place, it, it clearly says that it is for entertainment purposes and for yeah. multimedia production. Right. Just like the solicitation sheet for, for OSAP, you know, I mean, states very clearly that it's not doing anything to do with uh, studying UAP. So, but again, these are questions that people seem to, you know, gloss over except for people like you who are asking questions about that. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that's, that's great. I mean, 
that's your, you know, in, in business, you you are stimulating that area uh, economically and, and bringing in business to people and, and things. And I, I understand that, you know, from a business perspective, I think that's, that's important, but is this what it appears to be? You know, I don't really think so. And how many people in the process of that are being led down, you know, a road of thinking that things are, are taking place that aren't, I mean, how healthy is that for people? And I, sometimes I get on some of these Facebook pages and I see people just, oh, I'm looking at this chemtrail and oh my gosh, it's over the ranch. And it's, you know, there's something magical. And it's just, they think, oh Lord, we need to step back here a little bit and, and be rational about some of these things. I know it's, it's exciting, you know, and you get that thought in your mind that something's going to happen and you can perhaps make things happen because you believe so much. The power of belief is a, an amazing thing. But I think on some level, um, to some people, I'm not saying necessarily to the current operators of the ranch, but there is the idea that um, people gain power through the hoodwink. You know, maybe that's just what's going on, because really, if he's already this real estate mogul or anyone else involved, I mean, is this really that profitable compared to other stuff they're involved with? So what is really the the goal, you know, it's probably, is it power in some other way besides uh, just purely monetary? I think, you know, that's, so yeah, power, money, it's a good thing. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it really just kind of comes back to that in a lot of ways. Um, I think that Brandon Fugel for whatever other good intentions he may have, I think, I think he does see this as a, as a monetary venture. He would have to, he's a businessman. He's very adept. He would absolutely have to see that. I mean, I don't think it's for the love of just having something fun. I think there's a, yeah, there's definitely something. And like I said, you know, he and and people that, um, that he knows, I mean, they've done, they have done a great deal to stimulate economic growth in the area. So a place where people can go to like these UFO conventions there, you know, and I mean, UFO conventions, I mean, it's, it's big money. Well, it could be, (laughs) I'm not sure it's, I mean, it definitely, I think it was, it was interesting. They had just built a really beautiful recreation center up there with, um, you know, new, new money that has come in to Utah and things. And so they did have the, the UFO conference there. So I'm sure. And then when I, you know, I go out there every few months and things, and you do see new things popping up, new places where you can go by, you know, things and get, um, have a star seed read your future or different, mm-hmm. different things. So I think there's, there will be a little new age community popping up there pretty quick. And, you know, I mean, honestly, that's, I mean, it's, it's, if you ever get the chance to go there, you know, it's definitely interesting. Maybe this is like a, yeah, maybe it's a foundation myth for the economic development of the entire area that, you know, maybe this area will turn into something. A lot of places start with that, uh, Last time I was in Florida in the St. Petersburg area, I started digging into like local history and, and this, uh, and treasure Island there was started by a bunch of businessmen who created a hotel and they wanted to find a way to get people to come to the hotel and purchase land. So they came up with this big pirate myth of Gasparilla and there's buried treasure somewhere out there. And like, sure enough, it led to 
big economic development. And same happened in like Mobile and New Orleans with the, the birth of the Mardi Gras cruise and that same kind of mythologizing and as an economic engine to get people to get on the rail railways to come down to Mardi Gras. And it's kind of like just pretty American thing. I love New Orleans though. I, so I could, that's one of my favorite places on the planet. You know, I mean, there's nothing like going on a tour from the, the, you know, the Voodoo Museum hosts and you can go around with Bloody Mary and hear all the stories about New Orleans. I love it. And I, you know, speaking of, I, I went over to uh, England and Ireland. I had to go over there for some Pilates business. And then I went, I took a group of my friends and we stayed in all these haunted castles, you know, down the center of, of Ireland and things. And it was funny because there was a hotel owner who'd been on all of the you know, the ghost shows and things. And he sat up with me one night and we, you know, drank Irish whiskey by the fireplace. And he was just saying, well, you know, some of this was kind of meant to stimulate tourism and, yeah. and things. And you hear that. And, okay. That's it's perfect. It does. It's, it's interesting. And you can go back and look at the lore and find little bits and pieces. And in the Uinta Basin is, is fascinating in that regard. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, buried treasure and, allegedly lots of different things so but this has a a real dark side to it this this particular place and and the history of skinwalker ranch it does to me but i guess for people like us that have it's like we we kind of bought into the mythology and there's a lot of people that still do buy into the mythology that's propagated on tv or propagated on social media or whatever it's just kind of like it makes us a little more jaded to believe any of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so hard because I, I still think that there is a, a, a fascinating mystery that mm-hmm. deserves yeah. to be studied. You know, I mean, I've had things happen to me personally, and I don't know, I don't know what that was. You know, I will still, I mean, I will probably spend the rest of my life going on a mission trying to figure that out and trying to study it. And I think the thing that has really made me angry though is the fact that people can use the paranormal and ufology as a means to manipulate people and lie to people make a living off of things so they can go in the circuit decade after decade and and there is a genuine mystery out there and that is with the skinwalker ranch saga i mean that has really shown me a lot of things that i never wanted to see um and it's, it's made me angry because I think I deserve better than that. I think other people deserve better than that. And we deserve to, to find, to be empowered with what we experience and, and what we see and not manipulated by a few people who've, you know, created a bunch of nonsense over the, yeah. <laughs> but, and it's the same handful of people as we know. So. so in the time that we have left, Erica, I wanted to talk to you about um, Chris Marks. Um, now this is someone that you met through the going out there to Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, I was, I was introduced to him from Ryan Skinner. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was interesting. So definitely a a very sad, uh, chapter in my life, but hopefully that will be over with soon and I can, I can get on and start to heal from that. That'll be good. Yeah, and this is something that you had. Um, I know that there's been 
like local Utah uh, station has covered this and and all that. But uh, what has happened with uh, with that? Um, so right now, uh, he is charged with three counts of domestic violence and one for violation of restraining order. Um, and it's been a really interesting and, um, almost the, it's been a really hard, really horrific, um, the most difficult period of my life because after I was victimized by being verbally and physically abused almost on a nightly basis, um, I, you know, made the, got the courage to leave thanks to a couple of my dear friends who gave me that courage and it was very frightening. Um, and it still is, to be honest, but I um, left him and turned to, you know, the police uh, and the National Guard for help um, and found out that the National Guard would be absolutely no help. They would just protect, protect their own. Um, and that there was maybe a little bit of uh, that taking place uh, with the police. And it's been, it's been really hard. It's been frightening. It's been hard to try to recover from that level of, of abuse and to still be frightened and to try to be your own advocate because people are not doing what they're paid to do as, you know, uh, government uh, employees. And so I'm, you know, it's, yeah, it's been really special, <laughs> but again, you know, I wonder, I have to throw out there why he was employed, you know, at Bigelow for 10 years. He, he made it through, uh, you know, several batches of firings and he was always still there under Bigelow really liked him and things. And so one wonders. What were some of, I mean, he made some claims about the, uh, about the ranch. What were some of the claims that he said that that happened to him and do you still believe those claims no <laughs> i in fact i'm i'm completely mortified that i actually had you know had uh yes i that i i went down that rabbit hole i did um and then luckily for me during that time period i started asking questions and saying okay wait a minute things aren't adding up um you know, luckily for me, I'm very avid at recording things. And so I have a lot of that with his permission on tape. Uh, a lot of my questioning about things. In fact, the last podcast I did with him is pretty telling because you can tell that I'm getting to that point where I'm just like, really, this is, uh, I think that's really not accurate. But he felt, or he, his his shtick was, seeing a, a shape-shifting of a, a man on the ridge that was, you know, during a lightning storm holding out his hands and then did this, he bent over and turned into a wolf. And then he had another story about um, a, a pack of wolves coming towards one of, to hit both of the dogs, the ranch dogs, you know, to himself and one of the wolves uh, throwing the dog up in the air. Interestingly enough, the dog didn't have any bite marks, but that's, clearly a holographic something was going on there and that he shot the the animal repeatedly and and nothing happened to the animal so but you know again it's just it's that the same same sort of tired stories that we've heard Mm -hmm. over and over again from that group of people and it was i think an interesting thing for me to to interview him from the beginning of my relationship with him and to have several interviews 
out there in public so they can they can see that you know to begin with he was very much I love Bigelow I love Kelleher they're amazing people and then as I started to find out more about it and do my own research and started questioning things that's when he had to change you know the his his tune on things which was interesting in and of itself so and his function was primarily security mm-hmm. and through uh, him you you really saw that prevalence of right-wing extremism amongst a lot of these folks yes i did and that's something i am ne- never want to be that close to again that was pretty pretty frightening um so that was yeah that was a good time um and i definitely feel as we discussed earlier in the show that there are a lot of people mainly or the whole community is made up of of people with these these ideas and i'm not saying i mean i I was a Republican delegate, you know, I mean, I, I used to have a lot more respect for the party than I do now. That's for sure. But I think that overall, like you mentioned, this has been kind of a haven and the paranormal subject for some of these extremist ideas. And, and now I think that we've seen this complete manipulation of the subject thanks to social media and the internet and things. And that's used to shape people's ideas and even though we're looking at UFOs, we're going down a rabbit hole that is, you know, instilling in us that we don't need vaccines, we don't need masks, you know, all of these ideas that, you know, Nazis are really great people, you know, things like that, that have been sprinkled in, in the UFO world for a long time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunately all over the place. And as, as far as like he was concerned... Um, when he started coming out with these claims, I mean, if you could, if you could kind of speculate, what, what do you think the motivations were? Do you think it was just like an attention getting kind of thing or just trying to kind of like, you know, cause there seems to be like, there's a lot of like people that want to just, they want to have a new stick on something. You mean as far as the ranch? Yeah. Or the ranch or just himself or like a self-promotion type of thing. I definitely think, you know, there, there was that, but I mean, he was definitely, like I said, he worked there for a long time, longer than a lot of people. And, and so there, you know, what was the motivation there? I don't know, you know, so. Do you think it'd kind of earn you points with Bigelow maybe if you're working for him and you have an experience to lend to the whole thing that he's building pretty much, mm-hmm. it seems like these guys were all just like sitting around you know, role-playing pretty much and like figuring out ways they could just come up with bullshit. I would agree. And clearly I've got lots of video of the stories of, of the ranch. So it's been, it's been an interesting ride. And like I said, I, I wish that I could go back to that place where I was, you know, this wide eyed, you know, like curious person and, wanted to, you know, go out and have these grand adventures. I mean, I still do just not anywhere near that, that area, the ranch, because I don't know what's going on at the end of the day. But the, like I said, the Uinta Basin is a fascinating place. Um, I loved going to Norway. I like going to different areas. I was in Southern Arizona with uh, Ted Rowe, the director of NARCAP a few years ago at a very, you know, allegedly why I feel kind of an active location for things. It was a ancient Native American site. I mean, it was just, you know, so there's a lot of mystery, but there's a lot of corruption 
And how do we, how do we weave our way through that and not become so bitter and jaded that you want to toss every UFO book into the trash? Yeah. Not that I would do that because I love my library, but you know, you do feel <laughs> some days you just feel like, Oh, wow. And it is, it's an interesting learning process. It's like, I went into this so foolishly and learned a lot of lessons. And now I can, I can start to, you know, get a little roadmap of people, motivations. Um, yeah. It's a window into all these different, you know, sociology, history, all this stuff for you. Yeah. It's fascinating, fascinating and disturbing and empowering all in one. There is the phenomenon that I agree with you that has genuine mystery, but all these subjects seem to also be about a lot of other things. You know, it is disillusioning, but on the other end of that is like a lot more questions. I think, you know, for me right now, having had that up close and personal experience with, you know, all of that um, and having, you know, some other experiences that had nothing to do with him in my life with regard to the ranch and, and other people, it's been, yeah, that's been pretty hardcore. Um, I definitely, you know, it'll take me a while to get over all of that, but, and even, you know, the experiences with MUFON, I mean, there's a lot of this subject can be really hard on people. I think it can be really hard on women. I think it's, you know, I mean, we need to step back and look at some of the larger issues. If we, truly want to make change and we definitely need to question the agenda of to the stars academy and some of the people that are now emerging on on the scene that are getting you know their pretty pictures in gq you know little goatee and all that stuff it's so cute what are you talking about (laughs) especially with the goatee well i mean we've got a couple people with some facial hair going on here let's be real but you know i mean again like i've said on my on my show many times one of these days i will do a puppet show on ufology and life will be good i can take all my you know the bigelow corbell puppet you know just it'll be fun i've been planning out the scenes with my friend yeah no one's gonna see this because we only record the audio but she's she's showing us the prototypes right now i am i mean you could see my hands yep but so, yeah, it's a trip. I don't know. I think it's good that we talk about this stuff, and I think it's good that we that we dig into it. If you don't, if you're not critical, then you're just kind of like that true believer type. And it just doesn't um, – you see a lot of this on UFO Twitter, and we talked about a lot about this. I mean, I've talked to several people. I mean, Jack Brewer is one of them. It's just I like, like Jack a lot. Yeah, it just great. seems to be just – the same thing again and again and again and again. And we've all, we go down this road so many times and then you've got people that are granted they're new to it and they're hopeful and they're just really, um, you know, UFO Twitter is just really just hardcore about like, we're going to get some kind of answer but from the government. Seem, we never seem to do that. And well, good luck. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, great. That's a noble effort. Elaine Douglas did that 20 years ago. I mean, there's been with Operation Right to Know. I mean, this has been, yeah, this is, you know, they did it. NICAP. I mean, this, it's, yeah, the common, common theme disclosure is coming. The government will hand us stuff. And eh, 
not really. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, just, if you have a personal experience, hold on to that, keep it to yourself, maybe share it with a couple of your friends. Don't look to ufology to try to put it in a little box because you're going to go down a rabbit hole that isn't in your mental best interest, <laughs> you know, and, and things. And I don't know. It's, it's just find a close group of people you can talk to about stuff and enjoy it. And then be smart enough to realize there's a lot bigger picture like you mentioned. Right. Well, what is next for, uh, for you, Erica? Um, what is the, what do you, do you talk about on your show and how has that changed over the course of all this? God, it's just so funny. You know, and I've been doing the show for what, seven years, seven or eight years. Um, almost every Friday night. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been fun. I have definitely taken a couple of weeks off this past little bit because I've needed to recuperate from some of the personal things I've gone through, but I am, you know, I've, I've become a true believer and you've watched the process for me going to the school of hard knocks with MUFON, some of the abuse uh, and, and things like that, that I try to highlight, but I, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of where you guys are. It's like, I want to have a rational discussion about this. I want to expose some some things that I feel aren't in people's best interests and and have fun. I am I've got this wonderful archive here, so I'm archiving that and working on a a book with my dear friend Gordon Lohr, who was in NICAP back in the late '60s, and um, new professor James McDonald, and actually just amazing uh, man. And so working on that, and I've got a couple other projects and some, you know, TV stuff coming up and things. So I'll be busy and, and we'll just see what trouble I can get into next. <laughs> Do you have plans for the archive? You know, I am, I'm digitizing the archive. Cool. And yeah, it's so cool uh, to have, I mean, I've had several people donate the most substantial uh, holding that I have is Ann Drothel, who was a prominent researcher for many decades. And so I'm yeah, digitizing that. And then Gordon Lore graciously donated his his archive to me as well and so i'm hopefully getting to the place where we can get things back to normal in utah and we don't have ten thousand covid cases a day yeah and you know i can have people out here i think uh you know i've had nick redfern out here to to speak uh he might come out again to to do that if we can get things calmed down with that and just invite people here that are serious researchers and then eventually uh, donate my archive to a university and, and that will be good, but that's, that's my love. That's my baby. And I'm grateful for the friends that I have like Barry Greenwood and Gordon who have been have entrusted me with a lot and have helped me and, and schooled me in a lot of ways. So it's been very cool. Awesome. Well, good work on that. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. Well, so hopefully cool. someday we can go tour skinwalker and then <laughs> go give them some trouble. Stand there, take some selfies, do what the tourists do. Yeah, we'll, and then, we'll, we'll come with you. Cool. That'll be fun. <laughs> They'll love it. Hi, boys. Where can people find the show? And uh, also, uh, they want to communicate with you. Where can they find it? Well, right now I'm hiding in a hole, but they could mm. communicate with me. <laughs> me um, when I come up, come up for air, I'm on uh, UFO classified.com you can find me that's my website i need to update it a little bit um my show you can find on youtube facebook or twitter on friday nights at five o'clock mountain time 
and it's a two hour show and, and things like that. And then, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. So, and on Spreaker, I think or my old podcasts and things, I've switched to the video format, which I, I like, I've been really liking seeing people's faces now. So it's cool. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Erica. This has been an awesome uh, conversation with you. We really appreciate it. Thanks. No, it's fun to finally have it. And so thank you for being patient with me. And I'm, oh, yeah, no it's problem. cool. I like All it. Right. All right. Well, well, guys, we'll be back to close out the show. Um, stick with us, Erica, and uh, we'll be back on Conspirate Normal. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Uh, that was a very interesting interview with Erica Lukes, all about Skinwalker Ranch and some. Not other to be confused things. with Hidden Valley Ranch. Oh yeah, with that special blend of herbs and spices. <laughs> Skinwalker. I saw something on. Uh, I did see something on the internet earlier. Skinwalker Ranch dressing. I did see yeah, that. <laughs> I made that meme a long time ago. <laughs> the Skinwalker Ranch dressing. Yeah. <laughs> So just um, very interesting, very revealing. I mean, this is one of those things that, like I said, has really um, was a big thing for me back in like 2005, 2006 when I read that book and I heard it first heard it on like a paranormal radio show and all these type of things. And like I said, I mean, you know, you guys have heard me talk about the Warrens a lot recently in the last year. And like, those are also some of the things that, you know, I've had to reassess and really relook at some of these interesting cases that I thought were just a given, but like the Skinwalker Ranch stuff is not a given. It's not, it's not all that it seems to be. And I think that that's important if we're going to be discerning in the media that we look at and um, especially with the paranormal stuff, it's always, there's always some kind of just like foolishness going on and, and, and ulterior motives and all the time. I mean, the like power of self-generating narratives. And I mean, if that's not a conspiracy theory or a conspiracy in and of itself, I don't know what yeah. it is. Even know? though it's like on the surface is it's a negligible amount of Pentagon dollars, but um, you know, it's an operation. It might be cover for something else. It might be paying some other bills. Um, who knows what the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah but I exactly. think, you know, like, like she talked about with recluse a lot. I think the, um, the weapons testing stuff really, there seems to be something to that. And, you know, this probably relates to things like cattle mutilation and other stuff. Yeah, I would say so, too. And I mentioned the Cabazon Indian Reservation in there, and that's all part of the whole Danny Casalero, uh, the, the secret team and all that. You can find that in the in Ken Thomas's yeah. book about that. But, you know, that's what they were doing. They were doing weapons testing out there in the Cabazon Indian Reservation in because a, they could get away with it because it was considered tribal land. And a uh, homogeneous population right had cohesion you could probably keep secrets right. there better um just like not very many people out there anyway yeah and just like there in utah i'm really i'm really curious about what the demographics are like around there if like everyone belongs to the same church like if they're all mormons or like what's the deal with that you know yeah 
And I thought it was a good point that she, that, uh, she brought up uh, about that Skinwalker is a Navajo thing. It's not a Ute yeah. um, belief. Yeah, very different people. Which is something that like nobody is going to actually look at or nobody's going to investigate. And nobody's even going to really care about. But, you know, I think that that's important. <laughs> yeah, and like I was saying, like, I don't think they're... I think the branding is everything without that, without that phrase inserted into it. It's, you know, a lot less powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it was just called hidden Valley ranch. Right. Yeah. The hidden Valley ranch. Or Ken steakhouse, Newman zone. Well, I mean, (laughs) if you look at it, I mean, and, and the, the Wikipedia article is actually really good. Um, and you can find these links. Okay. Uh, to a lot of this, um, but you know, there were people that owned 1934 to 1994. And I believe Kenneth is the same as Garth that she talked about. Uh, Garth Myers owned the ranch for 60 years and never really had anything really weird happen out there at, for 60 years. And then all of a sudden these other two people own it. And then all of a sudden these weird stuff happens. And then Robert Bigelow buys it and owns it for 20 and, this is interesting as well. I mean, just like just in the in the Wikipedia article itself, bought in 2017 by Adamantium Real Estate LLC, a Delaware limited liability company based in Salt Lake City, Utah, filed a U.S. trademark application for the service mark Skinwalker Ranch on February 15th, 2017. That's where I got that information yeah. that I read earlier. And was approved and registered on April 14th, 2020 with a mark applicable to providing recreation facilities, entertainment services, namely creation, development, production, and distribution of multimedia content, internet content, motion pictures, and television shows. An additional trademark filing to expand use on cups and mugs, shirts and short sleeve shirts, sports caps and hats. Where's the gear at? Yeah, I know. Was filed by Adamantium Real Estate LLC on June twenty first, twenty twenty one, and is pending approval and registration. You know, I'm in the apparel business. I need to land that account. So you know, Adamantium, like somebody's an X Men fan. Yeah, because that's what that's in reference to. Yeah, pretty weird. But I mean, you know, it's these self generating narratives that create economic growth. I mean, what would you know, we recently went to Adams, Tennessee. What would Adams, Tennessee be without the Bell Witch? Right, right. What would all these places be, you know, without their foundational yeah. legends? Yeah. Well, and but the thing, yeah, and the thing is, you know, Skinwalker Ranch is a foundational legend of the really late 20th, early 21st century. Yeah. Like, it's a brand new thing. But it, it started the same way they did 100 years before, you know, with like... Yeah. These, uh, you know, using journalists and newspaper articles. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. So I guess the thing is, is just like, I guess that's another sacred cow that is, uh, kind of, kind of ruined for people out there, but you know, sacred mutilated cow, sacred mutilated cow. Yeah. So, all right guys, well, that's it for this episode. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming on. Thank Erica Lukes as well. Um, so we have coming up uh, some really good episodes. Aaron Gullius is going to be back with us next time on Conspiranormal, and he is going to be um, 
talking about um, his new book about triumphalist conspiracy theories. And we're really happy to have him come back on. Which we are both reading right now and is excellent and highly recommended. And then later on, we will have, uh, we also, the next week, Serfiel and I are going to start a new series about the history of conspiracy theories. So you guys stay tuned for that. So we got a lot of great things coming up, plus a, an awesome presentation with Kiki Dombrowski that we will be um, pushing for the next uh, couple of weeks. That's coming up in the end of February. I believe that's February 25th. So guys, stay tuned for that. But uh, also Patreon side, we're about to do a little news roundup show with Dr. Future, get a little update from him. And Serfiel can tell you where to find that. You can find that at patreon.com slash conspiranormal, where you can become a conspiranormalist too, or join the mystic crew and get admission to all those strange reality streaming events. And if you are really dedicated to the cause, you can join the ancient circle of strange realities. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, join us next time. We'll have Aaron Gullius on, on Conspiranormal. Consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.